You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Marshall Hayner, CEO of MetalPay. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Earlier this year, you may recall that more than 100 Twitter users had their accounts hacked into, their passwords, email addresses, and even phone numbers. They were all taken from high-profile individuals and even prominent crypto account holders, such as Binance, Coinbase, Gemini, Ripple, and many more. And it's not just Twitter. Facebook, eBay, Uber, Adobe, and even Yahoo has leaked data such as passwords, credit card info, and even driver's licenses belonging to billions of users. Look, if someone can hack Joe Biden's account, just imagine how easy it would be for them to hack you. That's why I use ExpressVPN to safeguard my personal data online. ExpressVPN is an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel so that no matter what device you use, you can have peace of mind every time you use the internet. The app even connects with just one click. It's lightning fast, and the best part is it works on up to five devices simultaneously so you and your whole family can stay connected. If a breach can happen to powerful individuals, it can happen to you. You can arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Bitcoin. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bitcoin to learn more. I'm your host, Dustin Plantle. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Marshall, welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Dustin, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin.com and your podcast, and um, it's just a pleasure to be here. Thank you so thank much you. for joining us, Marshall. And I must say... You know, you're in a space that is ever-changing, ever-evolving, and yet I keep saying the name Metal Pay come up over and over again. Tell us, who is Metal? Yeah, so so Metal is uh, is a crypto bank, is, is what I would call it. We're, we're kind of like the original Facebook Libra, original crypto PayPal, long before uh, our thesis was vindicated, and PayPal actually added cryptocurrency, and Facebook launched a, a blockchain. Um, I was saying, you know, in, in 2000, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll circle all the way back to the beginning of how I got involved. And that was, uh, I was one of the early people in 2009 on the P2P Foundation website reading this, this uh, thread unfold. And, and how I got there was I was uh, very interested in BitTorrent. I was a moderator on a couple of different private uh, forums. One of those was called what.cd. It's, it's long defunct. And what was so interesting about that was that it was kind of like the library of Alexandria of music, right? The people that were coming there, they weren't they weren't just trying to pirate music. They were trying to create the ultimate lexicon of music. They were spending more money on music than you know anyone, right? Just to fill the gaps right. of the of this massive library. And uh, Trent Reznor showed up there and said, uh, you know, hey, I'd love to re release my my music on on what and a thread. Uh, I was a moderator, so I locked that thread because I thought it was a you know some sort of scam or hoax or something and turns out it's real because he tweeted you know here's my what.cd profile and um what was really cool was that 
from there it exploded. You know, this thread of how, how would Trent get paid? Um, and I saw somebody say Bitcoin. And this was 2009. And so this, so anything, you know, in technology, I haven't heard it before. Of course, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to look it up and see what is it. I must and, add, by the way, Google is my best friend. I don't know about you, Marshall. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, with, it, it, it's the future of education. It really is. Because, um, you know, if you think back to 100 years or 50 years ago, imagine what you had to do to go to the library to look, to look this stuff. You, you basically had to um, you track across town. Uh, you know, information wasn't readily accessible around the world. And that was really what sparked my interest in, in crypto was, you know, in general, BitTorrent was, was is kind of uh, that, that same uh, concept, right, that we could have information uh, distributed around the world, no matter where it was, whether it was censored, whether it was um, large, particularly large files that are hard to download and host and things like that. Uh, you know, BitTorrent solved these problems of, of decentralizing uh, file storage, right? And that was very exciting to me because, you know, when I was involved, when I was very excited, and I was hyper involved in, in the um, in the 2000s, uh, I got very interested in this, this concept of uh, decentralization, decentralizing the web. Instead of having one source, you could have many sources. Um, and that could not only increase uh, the ability and the speed to which you could download a file, but it could reduce censorship. It could, it could, you know, break down walls and barriers. Um, and when I just, when I Googled Bitcoin, I, my mind exploded, right? This is this BitTorrent for money because 85% of all traffic on the web at that time was BitTorrent. So wow. that's to me, remarkable, my thought was, could, remarkable. Yeah, 85%. I, yeah. And it's a lot less now. I, I, I have to check and it's, I think it's gone down to like 12% or like, you know, maybe slightly under over 10%, which is still incredible when you think about it, how much, uh, how powerful of a technology that was. And so that really birthed, you know, all the streaming services that we know and use today, you know, the Netflix, the Spotify, the Hulu, you know, all of our media, like TV is dead, right? We, we, we watch Netflix, you know, Google has their own TV, Google TV, right? The, the future of, of media is, is, you know, it's all streaming, right? So when I, when I saw that we were going to decentralize money, my mind exploded with ideas, right? Like, how does it work? So I downloaded the original Bitcoin QT client. I got into the, the commands and I started looking through the RPC and all the different commands and I, I wanted to build something on it. And I, it took me about two weeks to understand what it was because I thought, okay, where's the API to connect your bank account or you know credit or debit cards? And then I realized, wait, that's the feature. It does not connect to that. It's completely disintermediating all of that. And that's where my mind started to really explode around this. I, you know, I joined very soon after, you know, BitcoinTalk.org formed and some other uh, forums popped up. Uh, this is the early, early, early days of crypto. And, you know, everybody was on this thing called Internet Relay Chat on a, on a server called Fnet. I remember those could, days. Wow. We're going all the yeah. way back way way back and you know uh before you could buy it or sell it you had to trade it so you could you could barter it on bitcoin talk or you could go onto this channel in irc called btc otc and you could trade it right and there were people mailing each other you know prepaid visa gift cards or bartering for lip balm or alpaca socks or all kinds of crazy things and I was so excited about this because I just wanted to prove that I could send some money from point A to point B using Bitcoin. And this is like 2010, 2011. And, 2000, and, and around end of 2010, uh, I think it was maybe end of 2010, early 2011, 
then we see the first exchanges, right? Like Mt. Gox, uh, Bitstamp, BTCE, you know, this is getting into 2012. Um, and this is where I started to get really, really excited. Around 2011, I had bought a bunch of Bitcoin, uh, bartered for it essentially. And um, when I saw it go to, you know, a dollar, I was excited. When I saw it go to $20, I thought it couldn't <laughs> possibly be bigger than that. It could not possibly be bigger. So, you know, I'm running home. I was on vacation in Belize. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I told my partner then at the time, uh, ex, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to fly back to Boston and sell my Bitcoin. And she said, yeah, go ahead and do that. And while you're at it, pack up all your stuff. So I said, okay, you know, maybe I won't do that. And then I got home and sure enough, you know, back to $2, right? And I said, okay, when it hits $20, $30 again, that's going to be the moon, right? And um, it was around uh, 2012 that I decided I I'm going to build something in this space because this is such a cool and exciting space. I'm just obsessed with it um, that I want to make it better. I want to make it accessible. There's no PayPal for Bitcoin, right? And that was kind of where it all started. Um, was I wanted I wanted to just make PayPal for Bitcoin and what a trip right from from launching the first crypto my first crypto app in 2013 it was called Quickcoin we just use the Facebook social graph and login where you just tap one button it authorizes your Facebook account creates a Bitcoin wallet for you that's uh, you know own your own keys right HD wallet in the browser secured by Facebook which is great for a lot of beginners because you know if you got locked out Facebook could reset your information they had good security. So, you know, and I told the, the messaging for QuickCoin was just, it's what's in your wallet. So you're not meant to keep like tons of money in this thing. Keep what you would keep in your wallet. Maybe, I don't know, 20 bucks, a hundred bucks, but something nominal, petty cash, right? And now you can post over Facebook wall posts over Messenger. And by 2014, I woke up one morning and it had just exploded, right? My whole Facebook feed is people QuickCoining and, uh, you know, people, hey, did you build this? Wow, this is really cool. And uh, within about a month, we got to about a million users. Um, and I was just, you know, mind exploding. We're going to make the next PayPal for Bitcoin. Um, and then uh, I ended up leaving that startup and I joined another startup called Stellar. Um, and I helped launch the original Stellar wallet and, and the Stellar launch. Um, really amazing team over there. And they got me, you know, Jed got me so excited. Jed about this is idea of the man. I, I think the world of him. Great. I think he's yeah. amazing. I think Danelle is incredible. They've, they've, got an, they've got an amazing team. They do. And, you know, and I and and they really, you know, I, I really had a lot of mentorship over there from Jed, and from David and from some of the other team members at Stellar. And um, and from that, you know, I I just kind of fell down this. I kept falling down this rabbit hole. Somebody messaged me, hey, should I buy some Dogecoin? And this is, you know, end of uh, 2013. What's Dogecoin? <laughs> I look it up and I crack up, you know, yeah. this is ridiculous. I get in touch with the founder, Jackson. And I say, is this is this a joke? And he said, it's absolutely a joke. That's become 100% real. <laughs> and we, we hit it off and became good friends. And uh, I started working on Dogecoin while I'm working on Stellar. And um, I helped organize Dogecon and SF, NASCAR for Doge. I had so much fun. You know, it was just, it was just, it was my kind of people, right? It was people that want to, that want to challenge the system, that want to do fun stuff, that, um, that simultaneously are really interested in what we were talking about before the camera turned on. You know, history repeats itself, but sometimes it doesn't. And when it when it when it's something really new, really novel, you know, that is these are like the exciting times of innovation. And in many ways, you know, in some ways it may have been replicated in the past, but with technology, we do get these opportunities to kind of have like those moments like it's never been done before, right? And 
that was what got me so excited about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency was just the community building these technologies. And so, um, you know, Stellar was awesome. We launched the Stellar wallet. This time we got a million users in under a week. We took votes on the board, you know, and everybody thought Jed was crazy for saying, I think like five days or something. And I, I was right under him. I was like nine days or something. And then he won the, his own prize, right? Because, you know, he got one million users in under one week. The app explodes. It's, it's super fun. But here I am doing, you know, PR, marketing, strategy, biz dev, support. I'm wearing like 20 hats. It was the ultimate experience. And, um, you know, I really wanted to take it a different direction, you know, where I was saying, you know, internally, hey, let's make this like a PayPal for crypto. Let's add Visa. Let's add bank support. But that, at the time, that was that, that was really meant as kind of a reference client. So, you know, I ended up parting ways with Stellar very amicably. You know, Jed said, you're going to go build it, aren't you? And I said, I am. Um, I'll see you later. And Metal was formed. I reached out to one of my one of my colleagues, one of my friends that I had met through Dogecoin. His name's Glenn Marion, and made him my co-founder and CTO at Metal. And that was about five years ago. And um, we've just been growing and kicking ever since. We we really we launched Metal with the vision of of building this real PayPal for cryptocurrency, the bank of cryptocurrency. Because you know some banks say they like cryptocurrency, but behind closed doors, not so much, right? Um, very few do really at the board level, at the senior level, really accept cryptocurrency. We're going through this this massive sea change of uh, technology and banking. And, and you probably saw the news announcement. Some of the first crypto banks were just granted trust bank charters under the OCC. So now you have the government recognizing Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency as money. And we're seeing uh, this explosion of regulation. So what a, what a great time to try and innovate in the world of banking and payments and and, and make this more than just some sort of hobby or fad or some sort of speculative thing. But let's 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 uh, take this technology and harness it and allow people to actually bank with it, allow it to fulfill its original mission of electronic money and currency. And what we learned about Bitcoin is it's a store of value. But we have about like a thousand other currencies for all different types of uses and, and utilities. And that's what where I get really excited because I think that I frequently say, uh, we have been able to explore uh we have been able to perform more financial experiments in the last 10 years than we have in the last thousand in the last thousand we've been able to uh, maybe perform i don't know 100 maybe a couple hundred financial experiments um in the last 10 years thanks to blockchain technology we have been able to perform you know maybe ten thousand experiments right or at least several thousand right so that that compression of experimentation in such a short time frame, I think is going to bring about just a complete change in financial services and banking. And you're seeing it. We're, we're witnessing it right now because we started Metal um, in, in 2016, so going on five years next year. And you know, I said I was going to build the PayPal for cryptocurrency that major companies would have their own blockchains. Well, here we are on the podcast. And hey, PayPal has crypto, major companies have blockchain. And you just did it as well. So. Talk about the entrepreneurship side of it that, you know, it's, you have this, you have this idea, I can do this, but what did it take to get here? I mean, when we talk about commitment and preparation that many people have an idea, but they don't know how to execute. So talk, talk us through that. What sort of execution does it take once you have that really good idea? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And, you know, for many first time founders, one of the things that I'll say is that, you know, it's okay to fail. Failure is good. Failure is what I call first attempt in learning. And you're going to have to you're going to have to 
do a first attempt in learning, maybe once, maybe twice, a couple times, right? And so from the prior startups, from you know Quitcoin to Stellar to uh, Block.io and other startups that I advised for in you know 2013, 2014, 2015, um, you know I witnessed a lot of failures. I witnessed a lot of experimentation. Um, and what I realized is if you're not passionate about something, then you know you probably shouldn't do it as your company. You probably shouldn't take uh, a chance on it because as Elon Musk startups as Elon Musk says, startups are like chewing glass and it's really true. It's very difficult. It's it's super painful and it's going to take up a lot of your time, but it's incredibly rewarding if you're passionate and you form the right team around you and you're solving a really big problem. If you're solving a problem that people care about and they're excited about, it can be more than just um, it can be more than just a solution. It can be a vision, right? A vision for the future. And that's what defines, I think, the really successful companies out there. When you look at Apple and Steve Jobs, did Steve Jobs just make a better computer, a faster, shinier, you know, brightly colored computer? No, he thought different. He, he, he painted a vision for what personal computing could be, what the, the vision was for, for the future of technology and, um, and, and uh, computing. And that has really kind of transformed where we are today. You know, I don't see a single cell phone out there with a keyboard on it. And that's thanks to Apple, right? And that's that kind of, that's that kind of visionary thinking. And I'd like to apply that same visionary thinking inside of Metal with my team and my team of brilliant uh, engineers and uh, designers and marketers and uh, attorney. You know, you have to have an attorney if you're in banking, attorneys um, and compliance people. And you really have to have this well-rounded thing. One of the things that I, I thought that was very cool in the beginning of cryptocurrency was kind of this cryptocurrency, crypto anarchist ethos. Because I'm a big fan, fan of Ender's Game and science fiction. Oh, you're kidding and, you me. Know, so Orson I, Scott Card. Uh, my we, favorite book. We had him on the show. I think the world of Orson Scott Card. Or Scott, as Same. he calls himself. Good. He, he was he, quite the interview. He's, he's a legend. He's, he's my favorite author, favorite book. And, you know, when I read that book, when I was, it really kind of shaped me for who I am today, because, you know, when I was 14, I was reading Ender's Game and um, Cryptonomicon. We are in the same, I can't make this up, Marshall. (laughs) The first book I ever read outside the Bible was Ender's Game. That was it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. It, because it, and it paints such a sci-fi vision for the future. That was why I actually got involved in BitTorrent was because, I thought, you know, when I read, when I was a young person reading Ender's Game, I thought, wow, may the best ideas win. May, may everybody have a chance and all information could flow all over the world instantaneously and money and finance and everything could be all instantaneous and, and may the best ideas and the best information rise like the cream to the top, right? And that's what the, the power of the internet provides us. And so that's how I got involved in BitTorrent because I was so excited about this, you know, if you if you reach research, you know, we're talking about history earlier, you know, the Library of Alexandria, it was, you know, at one point, Alexandria in Egypt, it was the, the uh, center point for all information around the world, all the information came to that library, and then it burned down, right. And I saw BitTorrent as kind of like Library of Alexandria 2.0. Now we're compiling all this information. And then, you know, you have companies come in and kind of commoditize it, which is, it's good and bad because it's not what it was when you had like what.cd. I'd, I'd love to see us get to that point where it starts to become more community-based. And, you know, I was I was buying and ripping Celine Dion CDs. I don't listen to that, but, you know, I was trying to fill the <laughs> library, right? Of course, um, yeah. 
but but I was I was so dedicated to that and I was so excited about that when I discovered Bitcoin it just was this explosion in my mind that okay wow there is this opportunity here to do the same thing with finance we're going to see the finance information and when we're looking at the web the web one was you know content I, I hit a web page I get some information maybe some news web two is you know Facebook and Google and social media and interaction now I can order a pizza off the internet now I can you know, say hi to my grandmother and, you know, uh, share pictures with my college buddies or whatever, right? And then Web 3.0, we're just breaking into right now. This is the transactional web. This is the web of value. And it's also where hardware and, you know, the internet of things and things like that come in. This is the very beginning of what I think is the future. And I've always wanted to live in the future, as you can probably tell. Or well, you, gather, you are you helping know. to bring us there. So tell us, what does the future hold for Metal Pay? So uh, with MetalPay, the vision is that we're building a global digital banking platform. We started here in the U.S., and now we're about to expand out into Europe, into Canada, into Asia, Africa, Latin America. And my vision was that, that banking, just like the Internet, and the Internet showed us this, that information is a fundamental human right, right? Because anybody can now pretty much access the Internet. And now you have, we were talking about Google earlier, I can, I can, I don't technically have to go to school. I can just Google everything. I know there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with that. Um, but I think into the future, we're going to see the web become a big part of education. It's really going to disrupt universities in a traditional system. And so with metal pay, I feel the same way about banking. Is banking not a fundamental human right? Is it not the, the right for us to have access to money when, you know, in the U.S., you know, I may have to pay for a checking account or other parts of the developing world where, you know, banking is just not an option. You know, you, you do everything in cash. And then imagine other parts of the world like um, Zimbabwe, for example, or Venezuela, where the cash is becoming debased at such a rapid rate and so worthless that you'd rather buy toilet paper and return it at the end of the week. So much so that, uh, you know, you start buying mobile money minutes. Um, in Africa and Kenya, Tanzania, and and M-Pesa was born. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but uh, you know the story behind M-Pesa. There's a, a shopkeep who's you know selling all of his uh, food, his canned goods and things. He said, you know, instead of buying buying toilet paper and canned goods that I have to restock, why don't you buy mobile minutes? And then he starts selling mobile minutes because people can come back and return the mobile minutes at the end of the week. They hold the value perfectly. They don't deplete the stock on the shelves. And uh, Safari Com M-Pesa was born. That's like the, and that was the, beginning. the financial system. That was the very beginning. And so I want to replicate that around the world in a free and open source and permissioned way. And of course, you have to form a corporation to get connected in traditional, into traditional banking uh, platforms like ACH and Federal Reserve Fedwire. And I'm, I'm, I'm out there fighting the good fight for crypto. But, it's, but it, the original vision of crypto anarchy wasn't exactly right. I think that where we're going is a blockbuster uh, moment for banks and especially with COVID, you know, I, I always say I want to put metal on the side of the bank. I'm not looking to sell the company short. I'm not looking to do a fast acquisition. This is my opus and my dream. So, and I'm so fortunate and uh, proud and, and honored to be here on the show talking with you and at this moment in time and my thesis proven right, but um, I want to build a global digital banking platform that's open for everyone that use leverages the power of blockchain to just, you know, create an account on the fly. Everyone can participate. And, uh, you know, one of the things that is really crazy is, you know, we, we have OFAC countries, uh, you know, where parts of the world can't communicate. We have issues with fraud and things like that. And so couldn't we use these systems to, to, create, uh, to create better 
know your customer better, know your business and, and payment relationships where uh, I, I don't have to get a new credit card, debit card every year. This, this system is a very old system of bubble gum and straight uh, tape and, and string, you know, uh, that card that we have, like the debit credit card, the bin on that, that was originally for these things, the carbon copy machines where they literally put, you know, many people it's, it's, this goes way back to like the sixties, but they would actually, you know, t they'd actually make a copy of the, uh, the, the credit card. And um, th that piece of paper would be like a little carbon sheet, and then they would process those at the end of the day. And nowadays, uh, you know, the credit card company would tell you, never write the card down, never make a phone Yeah, you don't want to do it. that. You realize what, what can happen if somebody gets that information? Exactly. So blockchain, and, and when you look at like um, Diffie-Hellman public-private key cryptography, we have the technology now to not give out credit and debit card numbers anymore. We should be just at names. You should just be, you know, at Marshall, right? You should just, you know, and, and if I lose my card, no big deal, right? And that's that's kind of where blockchain technology is taking us, that not only can it, it bank the unbanked and do all these incredible things, um, you know, secure voting systems, uh, file storage records, uh, land registry, uh, securities. We could, we could finally start to have a really good understanding of, you know, securities that are issued or not issued, things like that. Um, we can start to really destroy fraud because we can tighten payment relationships. But, you know, how about let's just kill counterfeit currency? How about that? Right? Well um, said. It's just incredible. Yeah. Well said. So how do we learn more about MetalPay? So um, you can visit the website, MetalPay. We also have a new exchange launching, MetalX.com. That's uh, live in uh, U.S. and uh, EU as well. And uh, check out metalpay.com, check out metalax.com. Also, uh, um, we've launched a new blockchain. It's really interesting. It's called Proton. You can check that out at protonchain.com. And uh, what's really interesting is that I, I worked on a bill um, last year called the Cryptocurrency Act 2020, and uh, that was submitted into Congress. And now some of those aspects are becoming, uh, we're hearing about it from Tre Department of Treasury, proposed rulemaking with identity and things like this. We shouldn't be that afraid of it. I will tell you that technologies like Proton and things like that, we're going to cross this bridge either way, and it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so amazing because really we're going to start to trim down on fraud. We're going to have better user experience. Um, we're going to have payment systems that, that are just more intuitive. So check out MetalPay.com. Check out ProtonChain, MetalX.com. You can find me on Twitter at Marshall Hainer. Thank you again for sharing Thank your you. story on the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thanks for having me. Cheers. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.